Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters Podcast on international business. We help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence. Today's guest is Paul Waite. He's Chief Executive Officer of the Guild of Travel Management Companies, which represents 80% of business travel spent in the United Kingdom alone. It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome to the Culture Matters Podcast. And today we're live connected to... Are you in London, Paul? I'm in London, Chris. Okay, well, it's a, it's a good afternoon to you as well. And on the other side is Paul Waits. Paul, very welcome. Uh, it's my pleasure, Chris. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's been some time since we've uh, since we've talked. Paul and I know each other actually, um, but then you, as a listener, you don't know Paul. So, Paul, why don't you tell uh, uh, the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, what keeps you busy, uh, and where culture sort of fits into your life currently. All right, Chris, thank you. Well, uh, a little bit of personal background. First of all, my hometown uh, is a place called Birkenhead, uh, which is across the water from uh, Liverpool. I often get accused of coming from Liverpool, but it's slightly different. Um, and uh, I've spent uh, most of my working life uh, in up and down the, the UK, having been based in the Northwest uh, and then Scotland, and then most recently uh, in the London or in the, uh, the airport area around Gatwick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a good team of that good deal of that time has been spent uh, traveling uh, to all parts of the world um, and um, gaining invaluable uh, experience um, you know in doing so I had 27 years with American Express uh, business travel uh, I then uh, headed up the uh, sales teams for Virgin Atlantic uh, for 13 years and uh, just since January this year uh, I become chief executive of the GTMC, uh, which used to stand for the Guild of Travel Management Companies. Uh, We are a travel management association, which represents about 80% uh, of the business travel spend uh, in the UK. So we are constantly dealing with international markets, and and hence, Chris, the reason why I was delighted to have an opportunity to talk about experiences and uh, also to talk about the things that we might need to do in the future. All right, great. Good introduction. We know each other from your um, your time at uh, at Virgin Atlantic. Correct. Um, uh, but before that, how with your time with American Express, were you working internationally there as well? Yes, a good deal of my time was spent uh, in the European market. So mm-hmm. I travelled all all over Europe. Uh, I travelled uh, ostensibly also to New York mm-hmm. uh, and occasionally to the Far East, places like Hong Kong and Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and you said you're from like Liverpool, but not from Liverpool. <laughs> I find that always difficult to guesstimate whether somebody from the UK is like a Brit, uh, an Englishman, or how would you consider yourself? What is your own? I mean, you have a British passport, but what's your own culture? Uh, well, I would say I'm English. 
but I only learned to be English. I thought it was British until I went to live in Scotland for four years. And then the Scots taught me how to be English because they are so passionate about being Scottish and not British. Okay. And what, what, what makes a typical Englishman then? Well, I don't think there is one. I think we've lost our identity, Chris, to be honest with you. Ah, okay. I'm not sure actually what would class to be a typical Englishman anymore. Uh, right. I think it's something that perhaps uh, we need to think back on and uh, perhaps create. Mm. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's a, a good shift of that going on, I think, and typically in Europe with the whole uh, globalization or Eurofication, if that's a word. People are trying to sort of come back to some sort of own identity. Well, I was just, I was, Chris, what's really interesting was that uh, my, my first ever trip, I, spent, I said I spent a lot of my time uh, traveling Europe with American Express and with Virgin Atlantic. Yeah. Those destinations were, were also very different. You know, I, I traveled a lot to Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, uh, the Caribbean, as well as the, as well as the US, uh, you know, India, China. Uh, you know, Japan and also dealt with the Australians. But my, I had my first ever trip to Moscow last week. Uh, and again, I found it fascinating to, to, to uh, talk to people with a very different outlook and, you know, uh, and mindset. And it reminded me that uh, I'd not spent a lot of time, hardly any time in Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. how proud they are to be Russian. Uh, and I said to a, uh, I said to a colleague of mine, uh, I said, you know, and I, I re- reinforced my point that, you know, they're very passionate about, very clear about what being Russian is. And here I am, an Englishman. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think we've, uh, we've lost our identity a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. There's uh, there the, the the Russians indeed are very proud, and as far as the Englishmen, I can don't really know about the identity being lost. Or if you say so, I'm um, more than willing to uh, to uh, trust you on that. Um, question for you, Paul: What is the first memorable encounter uh, with another another culture for you yourself? Uh, that would be when my sister, who was 10 years older than me, yeah. started a, a date a dating uh, an American GI who was based in Germany and used to they used to come across to to Merseyside basically to go to see the Beatles. Mm. Uh, so my first ever time really was uh, was coming across uh, and not just Americans. The, you know, he, he was Texan, and that's that's a different culture completely. Again, yeah, you've worked a lot with Americans, huh? Yeah, I have uh, with with American Express, but also uh, at my time at Virgin Atlantic, uh, mm-hmm. because uh, obviously because of the historical ties, but also because such a significant amount of business is done with the United States. Yeah, for Virgin Atlantic, and for American Express, and for American Express yeah. as well. And very often in in the workshops that I give, I compare. Uh, I compare the U.S. and and uh, and Great Britain, the United Kingdom, or the Brits, if you want, as a very comparable culture. Would you agree or disagree with that? I disagree, Chris. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, and and I'd, uh, I disagree because we may share a language. Yeah. Um, but we actually go about things very differently and we have very different thought processes um, and I think that some of that mm-hmm. is down to the fact that, well, they haven't got a very long history 
um, but also they are a continent if you think about it. In mm-hmm. England and Wales fits about twice into the size of Texas. Yeah. And you're when you deal with people in New York, it's very different to when you deal with people in Los Angeles or when you're dealing with people in Texas, Louisiana, let alone if you deal with people in, in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And their news is is predominantly domestic is probably dominated more by domestic rather than the 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 sort of the the global picture that you probably only get from you know in New York's and your Washingtons and all, with all due respect, mm. uh, not not wish to insult anybody, but that's that's mostly the way that the education uh, process is yeah. uh, uh, is held, and so therefore uh, we we Brits have a completely different view, um, and I'd say most Western Europeans have a, a you know uh, have a different view mm. than, than that which the the US might, especially when the US uh, as they've become such a global power. And you see it both in politics and in business, mm-hmm. whereby there is a tendency sometimes for there to be, well, this is the way to do things, isn't it? That The outlook for the Americans, from the Americans. Yes. Yeah, I agree fully with that. On the other hand, Paul, there's an article that was somewhere in the 60s in the in a newspaper when the channel was, was um, all foggy and fogged up. And that's was actually published in a newspaper as with a header uh, like uh, Europe fogged under or fogged in or something like that, while it was actually only the channel uh, between Dover and Calais. Wouldn't you say that, that the, the Brits in general have more of an outlook towards the West rather than towards the, the East or South? Um, that may have been the case, but I think that's changing rapidly. Mm. And, and I think that's predominantly sort of been dominated. Um, you're testing my history now, but I think that's predominantly, you know, been sort of dominated by the events of the Second World War. Mm. And, I th- and, I th- and I do believe that mindsets are right now at this very moment in time changing. And I think people are, are beginning to realize that um, they really have to, to take on an even more of a, a total global perspective than just... Uh, the, just the, the West. If I if I can uh, sort of say that I was amazed last year. Mm-hmm. I found out that we do more trade with Ireland uh, than we actually do with the entire uh, countries that make up uh, what they call the BRIC. You know, Brazil, yeah. Indonesia, and China. I was amazed at that. And then and then when you sort of said, well, and then the amount of trade that we do with Europe and the US mm-hmm. uh, is basically dominates compared to where the emerging markets are of South America mm-hmm. or Indonesia um, uh, and still, you know, China, India and Russia are fairly, you know, well-known markets and it's, it's in historical markets. But our, our, our presence and our ability to do trade with those nations is currently, um, you know, tiny. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where really we as a nation have got to get to grips with not just trade missions and, and trying to create contacts, that's only a very, very small part of it. Mm-hmm. Actually understanding how business is done, how people think, and only by adapting ourselves to that mm-hmm. can we hope to be successful and uh, and improve our economic performance. Yeah, okay. Well, very much agree with you there. If I can just pick your brain a little bit longer about doing business with the Americans. You as a Brit what what's the secret how do you how do you do business with an american 
<laughs> or maybe something with, a, say, a Texan, a New Yorker, uh, and somebody from um, from me, LA. Here. Okay. What I well, let me tell you what I what I used to find perhaps, uh-huh. and and this is by no means saying that I've got a you know a closed opinion or this is definitely the way. But what I used to find mm-hmm. with with uh, and, and clients I'd go across to New York when we were talking about global travel programs, or we were talking about. Uh, and there was an issue, a global travel program, if there is such a thing. Um, certainly talking about greater collaboration between uh, the New York and the London offices, shall we say, of mm-hmm. whether it be an international financial bank or, 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 or whatever. Um, and there would be certain challenges that mm-hmm. the you know, business would face. And, and you would think that you could actually, well, we have a way of doing things, which has actually solved that particular problem. And so... Um, and, and everything is is sort of a hundred miles an hour pace the way in which people work and operate certainly in in, in New York anyway mm. and, and what I found very early on that there was a resistance there was a resistance to accept any ideas that came out of anybody from the UK not just me working for American Express but even from my customers from the various financial banks and it wasn't just one company culture it was it was fairly it was fairly widespread. So the, the, the Americans would resist any idea that came from the UK. It it wasn't just, it, it was wasn't accepted in a if you sat in a meeting with that's a good idea mm. let's do that then that never happened in my experience mm. um, uh, and uh, it would it, 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 I kind of got my head scratching a little bit and I even took a one client for one international bank I actually took him out of a meeting because he was getting really frustrated mm-hmm. with his counterpart mm-hmm. and I, I took him across the uh, uh, the room uh, uh, across the road I, I bought him a beer and I got him to calm down and uh, he, he, he made some comments about thinking that you were coming to the fountain of knowledge when in fact that wasn't actually mm. actually the case and and um, in the end, what I started to do was use, use a sales technique, which is rather than making suggestions, I actually started asking a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, provided a number of options as to the kind of things that might actually happen. Yep. So I started, rather than going in thinking I was in advisory capacity, yeah. if people wanted to find out what you were doing, mm-hmm. I, I realized, actually, I've got to sell the idea rather than just tell the idea. Mm. And once I realized that that uh, that the the, the, the the solutions I was providing was not going to be taken up as a mere suggestion, mm-hmm. did that. you used to find about six to nine months later, one of those ideas that you placed on the table would then be presented out of the US to say, we think we should do this. And that's the way you used to get things done, was not go in and advise or to tell, but to go in and provide a range of options for them eventually to give some thinking time to and then have that come out of the US in the way in which they wish to present it. Yeah, which is which which creates to for them uh, at least uh, a perception of of, uh, of 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 buy-in and finding out their own options there. Absolutely right. Yeah. And and if you think about it, actually I I'd, I'd probably say that most people you know, want that to to happen. So again, I'd have to turn around and say my learning experience there was not you just go anywhere and think you can just start telling people good ideas and that they would be accepted because they work with you, they work for you, work for your company, or worked in your country. Yeah. So, according to you, Paul, what is the 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 one biggest cultural differences between the U.S. and the U.K. or Great Britain? 
in my experience, it's been the fact that the U.S. Um, there's a big generalization, but has a tendency to think that the world is the same, the same world over, mm-hmm. and that what a pl- what will work in the U.S. will 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 work in another and will work in another country mm-hmm. with, with their own employees. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So the American way and put put in a template will work everywhere. It has been my experience in the past, yes, yeah. and I think that's been born out of the fact that, uh, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, It, it, the, the majority of people listening to news or, or in education mm-hmm. will know mostly about North America and very little knowledge of the outside world. Mm-hmm. And in aviation, mm-hmm. about 90% of all flights mm-hmm. in America are domestic. Only approximately 10% of flights are international. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It, it, I, I I agree, um, and and by no means, I, as I know you, uh, and and the audience knows me a little bit. We're not trying to insult the Americans here at all. It is, um, if it's anything, it's an observation from from the outside in. Um, I'm saying this more explicitly because the majority of the uh, of the audience and website uh, visitors are from the U.S. Um, and evidently, if they uh, go to the website Culture Matters, then at least they have uh, a realization that culture indeed does matter. Indeed. So, um, next question, Paul, if I may. You've been working international for, for years and years and years. What's the pain and joy you find with working with another culture? Well, I'll start with the. Shall I start with the joy first, or do you want to start with the pain first? Uh, psychologically, it's better to start with the pain and then end on a higher note. Okay. <laughs> I think there are. I think the pain is in relation to making progress, in relation to change management, and in relation to getting things done. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, again, in my experience, Chris, I would say that some markets hide behind culture. Mm. And actually, it's it's it, it's not necessarily culture or the defi- that definition of culture. Mm-hmm. It's just that they just don't want to change yeah. the way they wish to do things. Mm. Um, however, if you understand the way in which they think and what it is that they're fearful of, mm-hmm. then you have um, a better chance of success in in trying to make whatever improvements or whatever business developments that you are trying to achieve. Are you thinking of any culture in specific? No, I think it's I think it's very I think it's very uh, individualistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I I I. Um, I remember the time, uh, Chris, and you may remember this, when I was uh, in charge of sales at Virgin Atlantic and Mm -hmm. uh, everybody was asking me for a global sales meeting. So I decided to have this global sales meeting Mm -hmm. uh, at which, A, we were trying to share information, but also I was trying to introduce uh, a professional uh, selling standard. And uh, we had the Americans, the Japanese, the Chinese, the Indians, mm-hmm. the, the West Africans, the South Africans, etc., etc. So most international markets that you could think of uh, were actually there. And I remember the, the, the words that you, at the end of that, the first day, you actually said to me, Paul, you have given yourself an impossible task. This is what you said to me. And I sat down and thought about it that evening because you said, You just cannot get the messages across to the people 
that you need to get across to and the way in which they'll understand, which will gravitate and which you will mm. make progress. And once I got to understand more about what it was that you were saying, mm. um, what actually happened, that was actually, uh, as far as uh, a professional selling or as far as a, a global sales meeting was concerned purely for sales purposes, mm-hmm. was the last meeting of its type. From that particular moment, I then broke it down into uh, different groups. Yeah. And those groups were not necessarily based upon geography, i.e. let's have one in America, let's have one in Africa, let's mm-hmm. have one in the Far East. That was based upon the work that we did. Mm-hmm. I used to get the Americans, the South Africans, the Brits and the Nigerians together. Mm-hmm. I'd get the people from Dubai and from India together yeah. uh, and China together, rather. And I'd just have the Japanese completely on their own. Yeah. And that worked better? It worked better. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a good, a good tip as well and, and for people listening. And, and what's your joy in working with cultures? The learning. The learning. The, the learning and the development. The personal the, learning you do. Yeah, the, yeah. the recognition that... Um, There, you know, people are wired differently. Mm. Uh, it's a fascinating science that you've helped to try to get me to understand as to the way to go about things. Thank you. Um, and uh, I even apply it in parts of the UK, let alone elsewhere. In yeah. the, you know, elsewhere in you know in the rest of the world. And that, for me, you know, it's true what they say that travel broadens the mind. Sure. But once you understand also that uh, you know people have a completely different way of thinking, and the way they they understand and how they see life will depend upon the experiences and what kind of environment mm-hmm. community they've been in. Mm-hmm. Once you start to put yourself in their shoes, uh, then it's fascinating, and I think it's also more rewarding when you do make that connection and you do start to make progress yeah no I, I i absolutely agree it's something that you can never they can never take that away the experience can never be taken away from you now that's what i've always appreciated about travel and working with other in different cultures as well and i, and I think the thing chris is just to remember the progress uh, and learning does apply both ways <laughs> if, if people are open and, and uh, open to it yeah yes very much is there a, a moment in your professional career where you were uh, specifically proud you handled the situation uh, in a cultural, competent way? I, oh, that's an interesting one. Um, and and there's, 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 I, I think the fact that when, when we were out, um, when we went out, uh, I went to Japan two or three times. Mm-hmm. The first time I'd have to say wasn't quite a disaster But it, it did leave me thinking how, um, you know, how am I going to make, you know, progress here with regards with regards to the team and, and how we're going to go about sort mm-hmm. of really sort of changing. It, we, it, things did need to change, but it had to be at, 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 at something that they that, that they bought into. Uh, and uh, I, I remember having, the, you know, the sort of the, the head of the sales and all the sales team mm-hmm. uh, in, in a meeting. And uh, me asking open questions and not being able to get engagement. And that was really because, of course, the person that provided, the only person that would answer would be the head of sales. And if you know the answer, then he didn't want to answer because he didn't want to look as if he didn't have the answer in front of the rest of his team. And, and And really, Chris, it was in relation to going back and approaching things completely differently, both business wise and social wise. Yeah in order to have at least the, the, the Japanese team 
wish to engage with us mm -hmm. uh, and also at the same time get them to come to the UK and participate in some campaigns in the UK and sort of get them just away from their own environment, coming mm -hmm. to the UK, but dealing specifically with the Japanese community here yeah. in the UK as well. Yeah, agree. And you you recently men just mentioned at the beginning of this interview that you went to uh, to Russia to Moscow. Yes, um, which uh, mo most Moscovites will not say will will actually say Moscow is not Russia. When well, I guess they're right. I mean, New York is not the United States either. Um, any cultural experience there? Because it was your first time there, and you already have quite a large frame of reference. Um, a, I was. I was fascinated, quite frankly. And what struck me mm -hmm. was if you think of, it wasn't that long ago that there was a rather significant Cold War mm -hmm. uh, in existence. Yeah. And one could argue that there was very much a secret society, you know, and, and, and a thinking that was, um, uh, you know, quite, uh, I, I want to use the word closed, I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah. anyway, secretive, uh, uh, and, and so, and today, there I was, walking around the um, perimeter of the Kremlin, you know, within the Kremlin, yeah. walking around the various churches and photographing the buildings where Putin is, and okay, there may well have been a, a, a tour guide and a KGB officer walking with us, mm -hmm. What struck me, and, we, and then we went to a, you know, an underground nuclear bunker that they've turned into a tourist. Yeah. What struck me, Chris, was how challenging and difficult it must be for, I'm going to say, people in Moscow, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, particularly, to have moved from a Cold War with the US yeah. where everything was seen so secretive to a relatively short period in time later mm -hmm. I want to say complete openness, but at least a significant move forward in all of a sudden inviting people to your country, showing them around and doing business with them in a completely different way. And also, I found it quite interesting. We had a guide with us and uh, we were getting towards the end of the tour around the Kremlin and we hadn't got out of the actual perimeter when he led us across, the, uh, across a road about 50 yards ahead of a zebra crossing. Um, and uh, there was no traffic, mm -hmm. but it's policeman whistled came across took us all to beside the gate where you're not allowed to go into mm -hmm. took away the papers of this particular guide and for around about 20 to 30 minutes in a driving snow uh there's this conversation going about why we shouldn't have crossed the road the way that we actually did mm -hmm. and i saw this guide arguing with the officer which i thought was quite interesting yeah you didn't expect that to happen i did not expect that no. to happen I did not expect that to happen at all. Yeah. And then and we said, what was the problem? He said, oh, just the Russian government and the fact you're supposed to be walking across a zebra crossing when there's no traffic. Mm -hmm. And it was really quite simple. And I don't know if that answers your question, but I thought the significant shift in mindset, yeah. yet still there's this, you know, you can still say that there's this little bit of this, this uh, the, the need to control and power is still there. But it seems the younger, the younger generation seem to be really sort of, I wouldn't say fighting against it, but yeah. standing up and, and being verbal uh, about becoming more Western. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I agree with you there as well. Um, last time I, I was in Moscow, um, I found out actually I overstayed my visa with one day. 
um, and totally just went over my head and wanted we wanted to get out uh, and and um, check in for our flight back to uh, to Brussels and it just turned out we had overstayed our visa and that was a bit of a scary moment like now I'm illegal in the country that's not a thing as I want to be in in uh, in Russia turned out okay but they did let a, let us wait for such a long time and we were the last two people actually boarding the flight um, so that was a bit of a scary moment. I can imagine that. In terms of, of Russian bureaucracy, that's yes, uh, yeah. yeah being the case. All right. Um, I'm um, nearing towards my final two questions, um, which uh, the first one, the one but last is, I want to pick your brain and, and ask the audience, ask you if you can give the audience some, some words of wisdom uh, and some three cultural tips when dealing with another culture, from your own experience, what would, what would your three tips be? Um, quite simply, would be, first of all, never make an assumption. Um, yeah. Just because, just because you think you're going to a market that does things in a certain way that maybe you did 20 years ago, doesn't mean to say that the solution that you've actually got or what you want to try to achieve mm-hmm. is maybe the right one for that for that market. Not, not nothing to do with the maturity of the market, but more to do with the way people operate. And that the second thing to be is once once you've understood and you really have to understand the way that people think and, 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 and the way in which they work is that you've really got to involve people, understand them and involve them mm. in whatever it is that you're doing. Almost like if you go back to that US example, yeah. almost like to give them a range of options and let them choose the one that they feel is the one which is most likely uh, to, uh, to, you know, to succeed. But also realize that, you know, maybe I can take more out of this than I'm actually that I'm actually giving. Yeah, the third option in a way. Then the, the middle way, the, the, the third yes. alternative, yeah. 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 What would be your, your third uh, tip, if you have any? Um, I think this is something that you have to invest mm. a lot of time in understanding the importance of that cultural diversity and the way business is being done. And I think if you regard this as being not a nice thing to do, mm but a strategic thing to do, then I think in today's global world where you have to be international, then again, you'll you'll be probably richer in personality uh, as well as hopefully more successful in business. In business as well, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, and then, thank you, Paul, for these uh, these wise words from your long international career. Um, final question is, is really simple. How can people reach you? Well, the easiest way probably is just via email. Um, and my email address is paulw at gtmc. That's G for George, T for Tango, M for Michael, C for Charlie, dot org, O-R-G. So paulw at gtmc dot org. Um, but you can also hook into me on uh, on LinkedIn just as uh, as Paul Wade. Okay, all right. I'll sh- I'll um, I'll hook that up in the in the show notes when um, uh, when people didn't get exactly what you said. So it'll be there in writing as well, and a link to your uh, LinkedIn profile and to your uh, your email address. Perfect. We're close to thirty minutes now. If my timing is um, is correct. Um, 
I don't want to keep you any longer. I don't want to keep the audience any longer. So, Paul, it was a great pleasure having you on the 10th episode already of the uh, Culture Matters podcast. Thanks for your insights and sharing what you've shared with us. Um, and uh, hope to bump in you anytime soon. Uh, indeed, Chris, and, and thank you for the opportunity because uh, certainly working, uh, you know, with you has, has certainly helped me in my in my business and uh, in the way in which uh, I go about things. So, uh, thank you very much, and it's been a real pleasure. And good luck to everyone. Thank you very much for the compliment. In the end, bye. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Paul Waits. It's the uh, 10th episode of the Culture Matters podcast. If you enjoy the podcasts that we do here in Culture Matters, then please go to iTunes and give us a rating and possibly even a review. That would be really wonderful. Thanks so much for that. And I'll be back in two weeks time. Bye. That's it for this episode. The Culture Matters Podcast, helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. 